This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, yeah, we're going to start. All right, guys, Parsha Shlach 5781. So here's what we're going to be talking about. Eleshmosam, these are the names of each one of the Maraglim, right, that went to go to Eretz Yisrael. So Eleshmosam, Lamati Ruvain Shamoa ben Zakor, Lamati Shemin Shafat ben Chori, Lamati Yehuda Kalor ben Ifu, Lamati Yisachar Yigal ben Yosef, Lamati Ephraim Hoshea ben Yon, Lamati Ben Yom Palti ben Rafu, Lamati Zvul and Gadiel ben Sodi, Lamati Yosef, Lamati Menashe, Gadi ben Susi, Lamati Don, Amiel ben Gamali, Lamati Asher, Sur ben Michael, Lamati Naftali, Nachbi ben Vavsi, Lamati God, Guel ben Machi. So these are all the names over here. Now, the order is super strange, okay? The order here is Reuven, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar. Levi's not mentioned because Levi didn't send one of the Meraglim. He's not getting a chilek in Eretz Yisrael, so that's good. We got that down. That's perfectly fine. So Reuven, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar are all in order, right? They're all there. That's perfectly fine. If you can grab some chairs, see from right behind you. You can grab some from right back there. Thank you all. Okay, so that all makes sense. But then Ephraim and Binyamin are put right before Zvulun. And then you throw Menashe in there. What in the world is Menashe doing there? There's something strange about that order. And then in the end, Dun, Usher, Naphtali, Gud, that's not an order of anything. It should be Dun, Naphtali, Gud, Usher. So Dun, Naphtali, Usher, Gud, or Dun, Usher, Naphtali, Gud, is really strange. Again, all of these orders, what in the world is going on? So I found seven answers to the question and what it means by this order. Why this specific order? Where did that come from? And what do we have by this? So the Ramban suggests that this order is based on the Mila of the Shluchim. It has nothing to do with the Shvatim. It happens to be that the greatest among them were from Ruvain, Shimon, right? Yehuda, and then Yisach. I'll put it, thank you. Yeah, put it anywhere. It should be fine. You know what? Put it on the table just in case. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, but by the way, but it happens to be that they were all Russian, Nisim, etc., but some of them were greater than others in the honor and the wisdom that they deserved. Later on in Paraglamidalid, right, it makes sense that the Nisim mentioned divide up the land of the Canaan. Those people that went through there are mentioned according to their levels, not their age. Likely, that idea stems from right over here. And that's the idea. The concept is that they're mentioned according to greatness. They're mentioned according to how great they were. Each one of them. And then Ziv says the same answer. But he says it's not based on Torah, Yiras Hashem, and their Milas, but rather on their abilities and knowledge to know how to travel and fight in wars. That their abilities are what we're going on over here. Look, these guys are spies. They need to know what to do. They need to know how to do everything. So it totally makes sense that you would divide them up according to how great they were in figuring out what you needed to do to get to Eretz Yisrael. That makes a ton of sense. Again, not according to the Shvatim, but rather according to the people, according to their individual minds. That's the second answer. The third answer is from the Sforno. The Sforno says these people were chashuv. They're in order of their age. We go by age. The oldest among them was Shemua ben Sakor. The next to oldest was Shafat ben Chori. Then came Kalad ben Yifune. They're going in order of age itself. This says the Sforno. Again, not according to the Shevet, not according to the Degel, but according to their age. So we got three answers so far that the order is based on the people themselves and either according to their Hashivas, their ability to figure out maps, and then number three, to be able to go with age. Those are the first three answers. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says it's very hard to understand 
that Shamua and Shaphat were greater than Kalev ben Yefune, who's the brother-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu, and Yoshua, who's going to be the future leader. To say that those two, Shamua and Shaphat, right, were greater than them is a really hard claim. How do you do that? How in the world could that be that these two people we've never heard of before were greater than Kali ben Yifun and Yoshua ben Nun? Rabbi Yaakov says that cannot be. He says that could be why we're going, the Sforno says that we're going by age and not by Hashivas. But the problem with the Sforno is, you have to know a little bit of history for this. There's no way Yoshua was younger than Kalev. Kalev is mentioned number three, Yoshua is number five. There's no question Yoshua was older than Kalev. We know Kalev's age. At this point, when he's sent with the Meraglim, he says to Yoshua later, I was 40 years old then, and now I'm 85. At the time when he said that, according to the Seder Olam, all the different historical farms that we have, Yoshua was around the age of 96. He died at the age of 110. There is no question that Yoshua is older than Kalev. So the, the Sforno saying that it's going by age, says Ryako Kanetsky, simply put, there's no way to figure that out. So he knocks them both out. The Abarbanel says, he gives a crazy answer also when you look at this. He says, Ruvain's first because he was the Bechor and the Rosh Degel. Shimu was born after him in, in his Degel, so you went there. Yehuda is the next oldest, he was a Rosh Degel. And then the next oldest of his Degel was Yisachar. So you have Ruvain Shimon of Degel in the south. You have Yehuda Yisachar of the Degel in the east. Why we're leaving out Zvuin and Gud, he doesn't mention. The Abarbanel just ignores that completely. He then goes on and says, after Yisachar, we have Ephraim, who's the Rosh Degel, on the other side. Then Binyamin, because Binyamin's also in his Degel. Then Zvulun, who belongs with Yehuda Yisachar Zvulun. And then we go down to Menashe, who's over there. It's extremely strange, because Gud is taken out of his Degel. He's mentioned last. That's a super weird answer, and I don't quite get the Abarbanel. There's no Perushim that I saw in the Abarbanel that explain it. But it was a very weird way of two, it was two, 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 one, one, three, one. It's just strange. It just doesn't sound right. Something sounds wrong there. The Tzrora more goes like the Nitziv, but he says it a little bit differently. He says the order goes according to how much they loved Eretz Yisrael. Isn't that interesting? The, every Shevet, he calls it, not the person individually, but the Shevet that loved Eretz Yisrael better, they're the one that went first, and then the Tzormor adds, and therefore they got a nicer Chelek. Ruvain got the nicest Chelek, and then Shimon. Now, what's the problem with that, guys? If I tell you, Ruvain got. Didn't get a nicest What? He was on Yard. There you go. Ruvain's not an Eretz Yisrael. It's the strangest answer. The strangest answer that it goes according to how much they loved Eretz Yisrael. And we're going there. Says the Torah more, even though Ruvain actually got his land outside of Eretz Yisrael, he's the Bechor. So he goes first, and then everything came with that. That is the strangest answer in the world. And it just happened to be that Shimon loved Eretz Yisrael the best, and they got the best. Does anybody know where Shimon was in Eretz Yisrael? It's south, but within Yehuda, Yehuda different cities in Yehuda. What kind of a, I, what in the world? Anybody, have you been to the Negev? Yeah. Have you been to anywhere else in Eretz Yisrael? <laughs> like, I don't mean to say that about the Negev. You can't say anything bad about Eretz Yisrael. But the Negev is the best part that goes to Shimon, and he's interspersed within Yehuda. It's such a strange answer. And again, I'm looking at it, I'm like, I, I went through it again. And yes, if you look at the Torah, there might be more to it than what I'm reading over here. But it's so strange. And after that, all the Bnei Leo went first, he says, then the Bnei Rachel, then the Bnei Bilham, finally Bnei Zilpah, in an honor of... It's, and then he goes in. But because of the honor of Yoshua, Ephraim came before 
before Zvulin. Menashe is placed after Zvulin because he stayed outside of Eretz Yisrael. It's the, I, I can't tell you, the Abarban on the Torah more. I get their answers, but it's so, it's so convoluted in my mind, I can't understand them. Yeah. Yeah, um, you said they, that they were greater, but you didn't say necessarily in what merit. Aspect. So, so in what aspect? So could they have been greater soldiers or better reconnaissance? That, but that's the idea. The Nitziv says that. That's what the Nitziv says. So it's possible, right, it's possible. That's the Nitziv's answer. That's his answer. But the Ramban says no. The Sforno says no. He says greater in Milas of Torah, etc. Right? That's what it's supposed to be. So no, it's not going to be that way. And everybody else is going with the Shevet. The, if they're the greatest in Torah, then that dis- that, doesn't that dispel... Or, or diminish the other the Nassim and the other people that were greater before? Possibly. I, I don't know. I don't you know. know because it, those are greater. We're not greater it's out of these 12, they're the best of them. Not the best of all of Claudius. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's not going to be there. Okay, the Dibre Shoal. This is even weirder, by the way. There's Rav Sholmi Amsterdam. The Dibre Shoal says, it was in order of how they stepped up in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe arbitrarily looked at Ruvain's Ruvain's representative, Shimon's representative, Yehuda's representative, Yisachar's representative, Ephraim's representative, Binyamin's, then Zvulun, then Menashe. It was just arbitrary. It happened to be they were standing in that order, so we were mentioning them in that order. It's unbelievable. Mom, you look this through and you just sit there and you're like, really? Is that really going to be the answer? Something seems off. Something seems really weird. The Osnayim Latorah is the first to come out with something that I was thinking the whole time. There's no order here because that's what they did when they became the Meraglim. What happened with the Meraglim? It's straight out of Pusik and Parshas Devarim. They went up. It says, Batik Ravunei Kulchem, says Moshe Rabbeinu. You all came to me, all of you at once. Says Rashi, Be'ir Vuvya. You came in a mixture. Old men with young men. Every Shevet together. You came with no set order. If you want a delegation to go out, you want to make a decision, you want to say something. So there should be a Seder. There should be a Seder. There should be this Shevet first, and this Shevet next, and that Shevet. Everybody should come in an order. But that's not what happened. They went up to Moshe Rabbeinu in a big mixture, and they said, Moshe, let's send spies. That's what they did, and that's how they did it. That was the wrong thing to do, to indicate that, to show them what they did wrong. There's no order to the Shvatim when he sends them out. The Meraglim have no Seder. There's no Seder there at all. That I like. That's a great answer. You're trying to figure out a Seder? There is none. There is none, because that was their problem in the first place. That's how the Osnayim Latour says it. The Emma Yaakov says the same thing. And he says, but look at this. He says, it's not entirely true. Ruvain, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar all make sense. Because that's an order of the Shvatim. That's the normal order. If you would have gone in order of the Shvatim, you would have said Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, but Levi's not here, Yehuda, Yisachar. It's only by Ephraim where things get messed up a little bit. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, it could be that when Moshe Rabbeinu saw from the Irvuvia, the mixture, the problems that happened from that point on, you'd have, come, get over here. So when they saw what was going on, it could be that Hosea and his Shevet, Shevet Ephraim, came before everyone else when he saw that they were supposed to come in. He knew that they needed some support. He watched how Reuven came, and then Shimon came, and then Yehuda came, and then Yisachar came, and he was happy about that. But from that point on, when the people approached him, there was a mixture. Ephraim came. Wait, where's Zvulun? Why didn't Zvulun come first? Benjamin came, then Zvulun, then Menashe. He's like, what's going on here? From that point on, so therefore he set them up in that order that they came to him. The order that they came to him with that order, says Rabbi Yaakov, that's what he did. So at first there was an order, and then it got all messed up. That's exactly what he did. And he says, the only Machlokas Ramban and Sforno 
is about the last eight. Ruvain, Shimon, Yehuda, and Yisachar are in the order of their tribes. From that point on, it went in order of Chashivus. Which means, you remember how the Sporno said that it went by age? And Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky asked, but wait, Yoshua is older than Kalev? Because Yoshua was older than Kalev. He should have been first. But the first four are put in order because they came in order. So Kalev is mentioned number three. He doesn't count. The first four are actually in order. After that, you have the mixture. So out of the mixture, people, who is the best of them? Who is the oldest of them? Yoshua. And the rest of them are actually in order. Remember the kasha that he asked that it seems weird that someone was greater than Yoshua? Someone's greater than Kalev? The answer is no. No one was greater than Yoshua and no one was greater than Kalev. Yoshua is first of the mixture people. Isn't that a great answer? Yaakov really puts it together. So the only difference is, Delzna in the Torah says they were all in a mixture. And Rabbi Yaakov says only in a mixture from Ephraim and on. From that point on, that's that. Now, there are some weird aspects of this, as I mentioned before, right? Menasha being separated from Ephraim, Yisachar and Zvulun being put in different places. So what's the message? What is the message? Obviously, we just said they came in an opposite order, and that's that. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says Kalev and Yoshua were pur- purposely separated so that Kalev could pretend he was on the side of the Meraglim. Kalev made sure that he wouldn't be with Yoshua because he knew that if he was with Yoshua, the Meraglim would realize they were going to argue and they might not make it out of Eretz Canaan alive. They knew that. They were worried about that. They honestly worried about it. And they said, okay, Kalev said, Yoshua, I'm going to be nowhere near you. So in this order, Kalev and Yeshua are put apart because they were literally taken apart from one another. That's the idea behind it. Beautiful answer. The Peneach Raza says Ephraim and Menashe and Yosachar and Zvulun were separated because the Meraglim themselves didn't want the Bnei Rachel Imenu and the Bnei Leah Imenu to gang up together to go up against anyone because I guess they would be too powerful if they were Meraglim or if they weren't, they wouldn't be that way. Luckily, that's not what happened. Kalev separated from the Bnei Leah and Ephraim separated from the Bnei Rachel. So therefore, that didn't happen. But they wanted to separate them on purpose so that they wouldn't be all together as one, one block going all together. That's the idea behind it. The Razan Amir's makes another suggestion, but I think that's the easiest one. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says, again, and this is interesting, it starts with Ruvain and ends with Gud. What's the connection between Ruvain and Gud? What's that connection between the two of them? What's true about both? Both of them are on the other side of the Jordan River. He says it's on purpose, he says. He says, because this Parsha indicates that we weren't Zoha to keep Eretz Yisrael, Gullus was going to happen 39 years in the Midbar and eventually out there forever. Therefore, Ruvain and Gud are the beginning and the end of the Meragam to show we messed up. We messed up badly. And therefore, Reuben and God show us, see, look what happened to you. And it's because of what happened over here. Yeah. The Chasim Menashe. So I, I didn't want to get into that. There was something that said before, and I think I even wrote it over here, that Menashe was still something different, that, that he still had the Kedusha of Eretz but went in with them so he'd have a part in, part out. But I am going to get to that within Yosef, because oh, give me a second with Menashe. There's going to be a lot to it when it comes to that. And by the way, Rachel, uh, Leah Imenu saw, uh, Rachel, I'm sorry, saw, the, wait, who's God? God is Leah, Zilpah. God was seen. His name was Ba-God. Comes good luck. But Bagud also means betrayal. 
that he started the betrayal and therefore he's put last to show what was going to happen over here. Okay, now, the next thing is, if you look at the names, it says, Livnei Yosef, Livnei Menashe. Livnei, Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe, Gadi Ben Susi. Why is Yosef placed with Menashe and not with Ephraim? Typically speaking, Yosef is put with the first one of his sons that are mentioned. Whenever you have his two sons mentioned, whoever is mentioned first, if it's Menashe, it says Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe. If it's Ephraim, it says Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe. But Matthew Ephraim. But here, Ephraim's first, because Hoshea ben Nun, and Yosef is put with Menashe. Why is Yosef with Menashe? So this question is asked by the Rishonim. Rashi, in Aparte Simen Tzadi Gimel, Chizkuni das Zekenim, Rav Chaim Paltiyo, Rabbeinu Ephraim, Paneach Raza, and the Moshe of Zekenim, all give the exact same answer. Yosef spoke Lashon Hara about the Shvatim, therefore, He's put with the Shevet that spoke Lashon Hara. Menashe's guy spoke Lashon Hara, God even Susi. And therefore, Yosef is put with him rather than Ephraim because Yoshua Benun did not speak Lashon Hara. Obvious answer? That's a pretty obvious answer, right? That works. That's the idea behind it. The Oznayin Latour says the concept here, and this is a scary thought. When you speak Lashon Hara, even if it's with the best intentions in mind, because Yosef said it for sure at good intentions, it causes there to be an issue in the future. There's always going to be an issue in the future. Yosef's Lashon Hara bore fruit and caused Menashe's representative to speak Lashon Hara when he got to Eretz Yisrael. It happened because Yosef Atzadik had done what he did. Meaning, even though Yosef Atzadik had the greatest of intentions to try to give Musr to the Shvatim to help them or whatever it is, nonetheless, this is the result and the power of Lashon Hara. That's the scariness of speaking Lashon Hara, that it remains in the system forever. Shlomo, what are you going to ask? But the difference would be, I think the idea is, is if Ephraim was able to get out of it, then Menashe should have been able to get out of it as well. They should have had the schus of Yosef. And what we're saying is that Yosef's schus lasted halfway, or maybe not even at all. That Moshe Rabbeinu davening for Ephraim, for Yoshua ben Nun, turning his name into Yoshua instead of Hoshea is what saved him. But Yosef's schus, unfortunately, was not good enough to be able to save him. That's the power of Lashon Hara. But you're right. At the end of the day, we'd have to prove that the Shratin spoke Lashon Hara and that their you know, loss of merit would cause that, that to be for the other people. And I don't have that. But that's the answer that he gives. That was not in the Torah. Yeah. Um, don't, isn't it weird that Levi didn't go along with them? I know, I know they don't get a chalet in their troll, but neither did, in theory, neither did Ruben God. At the so time they were, but yeah. Maybe they wouldn't have had the problem, the Moroccan wouldn't have lied if they had a Levi or a coin with them to keep them on the straight and narrow, which is what the coin's supposed it's to do. an interesting call. Yeah. In other words, have a coin representative or a Levi representative to be with them the yeah, entire time. Yeah, they should have time. had it just like they have it in their There's always a Levi It's a really good call. It's a really good call. I don't have an answer to that question, why Moshe Rabbeinu did, decided not to send Sheva Levi with them. Now, you should know, as we'll see, Levi did go with them. The Levi went with them through a Gilgal. But Shevet Levi did not have a representative. So that's an interesting call. Aleinu Shabach says this idea can be understood based on the Pasuk in Tehillim, Kufchaf Dalet. Kufchaf, Pasuk Dalet, where it says, Chitze Giborim Shinunim, the arrows of the strong man are sharpened, in Gachale Resamim, with coals that are heated, you know, really heated coals. Arosim, he says, is a type of tree that can burn for many days. It's brought in the Medrash. That's what a Rosim is. What it is, I have absolutely no idea. But it's a tree that remains for many, many days. The Medrash says, there was once a man and his son who made a fire 
on a rosem tree. They used sticks from a rosem tree. They came back one year later and it was still burning. What's the meaning of this medrash? The Alshich takes this medrash and he says, Lashonahara is never forgotten from the person who says it. The embers of Lashonahara still burn within. And when you hear Lashonahara, even though you know that that guy, let's say one guy, Reuven calls Shimon a lazy person. Even though you know it was wrong, it was a lie, it was Lashonahara, and you weren't even Makabalit. When you look at Shimon later, the first word that comes to your head, if you did a, one of those tests, you know, like a Rorschach test, and all of a sudden you said, what we, Shimon, you think lazy. That's what Lashon Hara does. It's the first thing that comes to your head. It's the power of what happens here. It says the Alshech. That's what it means, that the Rosem tree is used to refer to the arrows of the strong man. When a guy speaks Lashon Hara, the result of that Lashon Hara is there for years, if not decades, if not forever on that person. That's how powerful that Lashon Hara becomes. That's the power of just one bit. And of course, the opposite is true as well. When a person makes a Rosham that's positive on another person, then such a thing is not easily forgotten. That will remain with them for a very, very long time. What a good positive, right? You can take that in a positive way as well. If you say something good about that person, like I just say, like, Kiva, you're the best person in the world, then every person who looks at him later on is going to think, that guy's a great person. I just heard it. I just heard it. And on the other hand, you hear the other thing. If it's like, let's, somebody who's not here, John, you're a Russia. Then all of a sudden you think of John, immediately you think of a Russia. I don't apologize if anybody here is named John. <laughs> that, I don't think so, though. Yeah, it's your name. Yeah, we're good. So that's that. That's the idea behind it. So that's the concept of what Rashi's saying of the effect of what Yosef Atzadik did to the Shvatim. Now, there are a couple other answers. Then it Siv says, normally Ephraim is put before Menashe because Ephraim acted in a way of miraculous deeds. He acted in a way what we call Hanhaga Nisis. In a way that was always miraculous. Menashe was a world of tivis, of natural things, where everything happened in a normal fashion. And that's the difference between them. Now, Ephraim is greater than Menashe in a world of miracles. Yoshua and Moshe Rabbeinu lived in worlds of miracles with Kriyas Yamsuf, the Mun, the Be'er Shom Miriam, Kriyas Yardain, going into Eretz Yisrael with Yericho. There were worlds of miracles by Moshe and Yeshua. At that time, Ephraim is greater than Menashe. But at other times, in a time of Hanhaga Tivis, when everything is happening naturally and there are normal things happening in the world, then Menashe is greater than Ephraim. It's an unbelievable way of looking at it. That Menashe is always greater than Ephraim. Because again, Ephraim's rulership is when things are crazy. Then Ephraim comes to shine. That's where he shines. But when things are normal, Menashe is the person you want to have on your side. He gets that. When Yosef Atzadik is the king in Mitzrayim, who's Yosef Atzadik's right-hand man? The translator between him and the Shvatim. The guy who's working between them. Who is that guy? It's Menashe. It's Menashe. Why? Because when you're not dealing with a miraculous time, Menashe is the guy that's there. But when Yo- Yaakov Avinu is learning, who does Yaakov Avinu learn with to be able to get him to grow, etc.? Ephraim. Because Ephraim, when you're living in a world of miracles, that's Yaakov Avinu, Ephraim is the one that gets it. And that's why Yosef had to put Menashe to get the Iker Bracha. And what did Yaakov Avinu do? switched his hands. Because in a time for Yaakov, Ephraim is greater than Menashe. That's the concept behind it. So therefore, when it comes to the Meraglim, which is a natural way of going into Eretz Yisrael, Menashe is greater. So where does Yosef go? Yosef goes with Menashe. 
even though Ephraim is mentioned first because Hoshea ben Nun is greater, but Menashe has greatness at a time of spies. That's the idea behind it. Ayelus Shakar says Yaakov ben Makshiv Ephraim before, so we know who he was. Maybe this time we have to know who Menashe was. There's a Meshachachma, and that goes with what David was saying before, that half of Menashe went outside of Eretz Yisrael. The half would be in there, in, out, whatever it is. That's why you have to send someone who would love the land, although the Tzoramor says the exact opposite. You want somebody who wouldn't love the land to challenge them. It's a very, very weird idea behind it. Rav Yaakov and Amos Yaakov, again, Rav Yaakov comes along, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, and says the most pushant answer in the world. How many kids did Yosef have? Yosef Atzadik, how many kids did he have? Normally we say two. Ephraim and Menashe, right? But it's not true. Yaakov Vinu says to Yosef Atzadik on his deathbed, right, that your children should be called Al Shem Achihem, on the name of their brother. Who's, Ephraim and Menashe are sitting right in front of him. That means Yosef had other children. And to be honest with you, doesn't that make a ton of sense? He's the king of Egypt. You think he only had one wife? There's no way. There's no way. And even if he had one wife, you think he only had two kids? I mean, I find it hard throughout the entire Torah when we say that Naphtali only had, you know, Don only had Chushim. It's, there's got to be more kids. Just these were the Iker kids in some way, shape, or form that come down whatever it is. But of course there were more kids. There's no question the Shvatim were married to multiple wives. There's no question. If Yaakovino had four wives... There's no question the Shvatim did as well in some way, shape, or form. Mistama, they had 20 kids, 30 kids, 40 kids. I would assume that. Yosef Tzadik had many. But how are they labeled? Are they Ephraim or Menashe? Because Yosef splits. There's Ephraim and Menashe. Which one are they labeled as? And this is the answer. They're labeled in Shevet Menashe. Does everybody get why? They're Yikarol Shemachiam. They're called by their brothers. Ephraim was the miracle guy. Menashe was the norm. The people that were born afterward were not on their level. They joined in with Menashe. There's an unbelievable Pusik in Yoshua when they're taking over the land. They look, turn over, they turn to Yoshua and they said, you didn't give, Menashe says, you didn't give us enough land. And Yoshua says, what, what do you mean I didn't give you enough land? Go capture the rest of the land and you'll take everything. It's strange Psukim. And the reason why it's around Tezayin, you'd have to check it out. I don't remember exactly where. Right, Perik Tezayin. But the reason why is because B'nai Menashe had more than everybody else because there were all these children that came out of Mitzrayim that were included in Shevet Menashe. And they grew, I guess you could say like rabbits. There were tons of them. And that was the problem. They needed more land and they weren't getting it. Yeah. Anything related to the Arabs? No, not connected to the Arab Rab. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Not connected to the Arab Rab. That's the idea behind it. That there were the Bnei Yosef, but not Arab Rab. Not the Arab Rab themselves. And the Mayan based Shueva, Rav Schwab, says the exact same thing. And that's the reason why Yosef went with Menashe. Now, does it make sense? Lemate Yosef, which are the other children of Yosef, Lemate Menashe. They went with the Shevet of Menashe. That's why we put them two together, those two together. And that makes a lot of sense. And then comes the Beis Yishai. Now, this is something that we know. I've spoken about this before. The Arizal says that a Kaddish Baruch Hu commanded every single one of the Shvatim to go down and be misgalgil into one of the Meraglim so that they have a chance to do something good. So, for example, Yehuda went to Kalev ben Yefuna. Ruvain went to Shamua ben Zakur. Shimon went to Shafat ben Chori. And every one of their Shvatim went down and went into there. Yosef went to Gadi ben Susi. And that's Menashe's Shevet. That's why it says Lamate Yosef, Lamate Menashe, because Yosef went with him. So who went with Ephraim? Who went with Oshea ben Nun? Well, it's awesome. Because one Shevet is missing. Who's the Shevet that's missing? I said it before. Shevet Levi. When Moshe Rabbeinu calls Hosea Yoshua and gives him a Yud, 
he put Shevet Levi, the actual Levi, in Yehoshua. And he got Levi. And therefore, Yehuda and Levi were the ones who were able to get out of it. They didn't speak Lashonara. Everyone else did. And that's why Lamate Yosef, Lamate Menashe, Yosef is put together with Menashe. It's crazy, right? Yeah. So How could they See, that's the thing about Gilgulim. You probably have something in you right now, but you don't realize it. The Neshama does, but you don't. So either it happens and it's great, or it doesn't happen and you're messed up. And you messed up the, shit, the Gilgul as well. So way to go. <laughs> but that's what can end up happening. You don't realize, you don't notice it, you don't recognize it, and that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, not each one. The Shvatim? I think Moshe Rabbeinu caused it to come down. The wording of the Igra de Kala is that Moshe Rabbeinu davened for each one to have their shevet go in them, which is why it says, Isha Chod, Isha Chod. That's where he davened for it and allowed it to happen. I don't think the sh- they themselves or the Shvatim themselves did it on purpose. I don't know. The Yod. So, this is something that I didn't quite get where he said the Yud represents the Shechina, and the Shechina represents, is represented by Shevet Levi, so Levi is the Shechina, which is the Yud. That's what he says. I don't know exactly what that means. This is from the Igritakala as well, but I don't know exactly what that means. But somehow the Yud that he put in there caused same Shevet Levi to come down. Of the that what? The, okay, yeah, that they're supposed to be representatives of what they're supposed to be. And that makes sense. Like, in some way, shape, or form, that's going to be there. Okay, so that's that. Now, it says, which is interesting, over here it says, Be'ela Shmosam. The very next Pasuk, by the way, I know I, I quoted all these over here, all the way up to Tezvav. In Pasuk Tezayin says, Ela Shmosam. It starts off, Be'ela Shmosam, these are their names. And at the end, it says, Ela Shmosam, these are their names. So the question that's asked is, why do you have to say that word twice? You just said, these are their names, and you end it with, these are their names. Why mentioning all over here? So the Ibn Ezra says, to tell you, none of their names have changed. It's all the same names, that's that. None of these names have changed. And these are their names, except for Yoshua. Yoshua was the only one that was changed. So that's why it says it that way. The Orachayim HaKadosh says, it's a hint that the Gemara tells us that the Meraglim's names represent what happened to them. Each one of their names, you could understand from their names what was going to happen to them, that they had evil names. You know what the Medrash says about these names? Don't name your child an evil name, or you'll have happen to them what happened to the Meraglim. The Meraglim's parents called their names by evil things, and therefore they did something bad. It's called Shma Garim. Now there's only one story about this in Shas with Rameir. Rameir came to a certain town along with two other Tanoim, right? They gave their money over to this innkeeper for him to keep it in whatever it is, and Rameir wouldn't because he heard the name and it was Kidor and Kidor Tapu Josema. He said, oh, Kidor, it's a bad name. I'm not giving him my money. So he hid the money instead. So in the end, Rameir, he hid it by a grave, which happened to be this guy's father's grave, Kidor's father's grave. So on Friday nights, right, this guy comes up to Rameir and he says, I had a dream last night that my father came to me and said, there's a bag of money right by my grave. 
right? So Remer said, Words of dreams don't mean anything at all. By the way, that is Remeir's shita throughout Shas. He says it three times in Shas. It's not like he just said it right there, but he did say it right there. And the, the next day, because he knew that was happening, right, Remeir went to the grave and stayed there until the end of Shabbos to make sure that his money wouldn't be taken. At the end of Shabbos, Kedor completely denied having the money, and then there's a lot more to it. Like, it ended up being, they got it because... They met him in a bar, and he had beans in his beard. So they went back to his wife, and he said, the Kidor told us to get our money back, right? And the sign is that he had beans this morning for breakfast. Who has beans for breakfast? But either way, regardless, he had beans for breakfast. She gave him the money, and in the end, he killed his wife. So I guess all's well that ends well, right? That, that was like the greatest ending to a story you've ever heard. But that, that, it's an unbelievable Misa that's brought down to the Gemara itself. But it's Shmalgarim. And in fact, it's interesting. The Chidah says... That's why it says Elish Mosam. There's a Medrash Yalkut in Shmuel that says Rishayim come before their names. Novel Shmo. Remember Novel? He's the bad guy, the ex-husband of Avigail, who David would not give any money to David. Novel Shmo. It says Novel, and then it says Shmo after that. Sadiqim, their name, their names come after their, I guess, when you call them. Shmo Elkana. That's what it's doing in the beginning of Shmuel. His name is Elkana because that's a tzaddik. Here, by the Meraglim, ve'ele shmosan Hashim, and at the end it says, ele shmosam. So, are they tzaddikim, like Elkanah, or are they Rishayim, like Nabal? Which one is it? Are they tzaddikim, or are they Rishayim? So listen to this. So the Chidah says, brings down, and he says, that may be, because what do we know about the Meraglim, guys? When they started, they were what? They were tzaddikim. And in the end, they were... Rashayim. So the beginning is the Elish Mosam and it says their names. And the end, it says Elish Mosam. They started off as Sadiqim and they ended off as Rashayim. Isn't that a great remez? That's how the Chidah puts it. He puts it down right over there. The Yelis Shachar, the Torah Tamima goes through this as well. Oh, great stuff. And the Rabbinu Yosef Nechemya, the, the great the grandson, etc., great grandson of the Chassam Sofer. But there's more. Sota Lamadalona Bays does go through this and says, Rabbi Yitzchok says, we have a Mesorah that the Meraglam's names were given based on their deeds, but we only know one. Sisur ben Michael. Listen to this. Sisur means he hid the deeds of Hashem and made himself mach. Made himself mach. That he didn't know what was going on. Torah Tamimah says it's a euphemism for God. He made God seem like he couldn't do it. It's like God couldn't do it. And that's Michael, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu couldn't do it. Now there, Rabbi Yochanan added on, Nachbi ben Vafsi. It's amazing that we don't name our kids this anymore, you know? Nachbi or Vafsi. I, I can't believe we don't have these names. Which is similar. Nachbi is Hechbi, he hid the words of Hashem. And Vafsi, Psiya, he stepped on the Midos of Hashem, causing me scared of their minds. Now the truth is, this is brought down. The Yalkuruveni and the Medrash Tanhuma bring down that a person should always check names, and this is why. I'm going to go through this really, really quickly. Shamua, he didn't listen to Hashem. Zachor, he did magic with Shol Bezachuro. Shafat, he didn't deal well with his Yitzhar. Became Chori, free from the land because of it. Yigal lost his chance of redemption. And Yosef, he was lost, Ne'esah, from the world. Palti took himself away from good deeds. And Rafu, his hands became weak and he died. Gadil said words that were harsh as sinews. Sodi gave secrets out that should have remained hidden. Gadi did the same. Susi means Dofi in this context. Amil and Gamali, he thought the nations would kill Hashem and cause himself not to enter Eretz Yisrael. Sasur, that he hid the concept of Mikael. Nachbi, that he hid the truth. And Vafsi, that he lost the Muna completely by lying. Ben Machi, that he made Hashem seem poor and inadequate. Unbelievable, right? And each one of them. The truth is, I have that as well, not just from the Medrash Tanchuma, but the Rabbeinu Ephraim as well. And there's a Shach. You can look at it yourself. I have all those different answers that I mentioned right over here. 
And that's that. But there is something cool over here. There's a safer Casador Sana. Casador Sana actually means like a, a think of little fishy. Like it's like herring or something. He asks why in Yuma Lama Chasam Beis we say we don't use the names of Rashaim. We don't name after Rashaim. You're not going to name a kid Yishmael. Right? Not going to name a kid. Everybody asks about why Rabbi Yishmael was called Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi, etc. That's a Shiloh. There's a Pnei Oshu and Ksuvis that talks about that. But in Yuma Lama Chasam Beis we don't use the names of Rashaim. So he asks... So how can we use the name Shamoa? Right? It says in the beginning, Shamua ben Zakur. We know a Shamoa in Shas. Rabbi Elazar ben Shamoa. So how could he use that name? But the truth is, maybe you could say that's different. Shamoa and Shamua are very different from each other, right? So that's, maybe. Maybe you could say Something stuff like that. Name. It's his father's name. What? It's not his name. It's his father's name. It's a, no, but Elazar ben Shamoa, he's from that. We always assume that the Tanoim's fathers were also great. If they're mentioned by their father's name, then they're great then we know that they have a greatness to them, right? So why is that? Palti. Who's Palti? Where have you seen Palti after this? Palti Oben. Laish. Laish, very good. Palti Ben Laish. He's known as Palti in Shmuel. He's known as Paltiel. You must have had a good Navi teacher in ninth grade. That's <laughs> probably what happened. But Paltiel, right, is going to be. Paltiel Ben Laish is mentioned in Divrayam, but his name was Palti. Palti Ben Rafu is the only other person named Palti. How in the world could Palti, the one who married Michal Bas David, how could he be named Palti? Amiel is a name mentioned in Shmuel Bey's Parak Test Pasuk Dalit. Amiel is a name. It's mentioned here and over there. How could they have named somebody after one of the Moroccan? Michal and Yosef obviously could be based on somebody else. That's possible. Some even say that Levi's Ben Sisi. So there's a guy named Levi Ben Sisi in Shas. It could be that his name was really Susi, but it was changed to Sisi because Susi was the name of one of the Moroccan. But here's how they answer it. The Casa Rosana says it's possible that if someone became a Russia, but wasn't a Russia Meikara, then you can name after that person. If somebody started off as a tzaddik, but went bad at the end of his life, you can still name after that person. Is that an interesting halacha? That's what he says. I'm sorry? Hagar is a name that's used. Yeah, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't. Yeah, I know. I still wouldn't. Yeah. Or because they had bad names, they did what they did in the end. And therefore, for sure, we shouldn't name them afterward in that way. But says the Kasa Rosana, you can. You're allowed to. You can. So, no, for sure not. That means it's not even a real name, right? But So I guess, in theory, if anybody tells me, like, I want to name my kid Buffsy, then I'll be like, all right, you know, I got some better names. Like, Tzvi Hirsch is fine. That's a good one. Yeah, it's beautiful. It means beautiful, clearly. Right? So I'm totally okay with that, right? I, I, I'm fine with that. You're going to name your kid Nachbi Ben Buffsy? Don't send him to school. <laughs> Homeschool that kid. That kid's not going anywhere, right? There was a guy who came up to me and wanted to name his kid Yisro. I'm like, bad move. Bad move. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. You want your kid made fun of for the rest of his life? Go ahead, Jethro. I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. If you lived in 1943, I would also say you can name your kid Jethro and wear a hat when you go to a baseball game. You know what I'm saying? But like that doesn't happen anymore for most people. So like I wouldn't go with that. Victor Miller, though, he, I'm going to end with this beautiful piece. He says, on the other hand, these names aren't real names. He says they're clearly shortened for what the real names are. Look at this. Shamoa was Elishama. Zakur was Zechariah. Hashem's name was taken out to indicate that they didn't do the right thing. Keep going. Shafat was Eli Shafat or Shvatia. Palti was Paltiel or Eli Felet. 
Rafu was Rafael, Sodi was Sodil, Gadi was Gadil, Susi was Susil, Gamali was Gamliel. Add the word El to Nachbi, Sisri, Vofsi, Machi was Michoel. All of these names, you can understand why Chazal say that these names clearly indicate that they were wrong. The Nakhash Baruch who took out his name from almost all of them. Yes, there's still Michoel in there. Geuel and Michoel still has Hashem's name. Victor Miller doesn't talk about those. But it shows his disapproval for what they were doing. Every single one of these names showed the devotion of their parents toward Hashem and their trust in Him, which these men did not live up to. And he says one crazy thing. There's one person here who's named after Yosef. But never, says Rabbi Victor Miller, this is crazy, do we ever name someone throughout all of Tanakh. We have a ton of names in Ezra Nehemiah and mentioned in Divrei Yamim and Shmuel Beis. A ton of names. Not once is there anyone by the name of Avraham or Yitzchak or Yaakov. You know why? Because those names were treated with such reverence, you would never imagine naming a kid after them. They couldn't. They were the holiest, greatest names. They do, wouldn't dare. Yosef they used. He was just a shevet. But they wouldn't use Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov because of that. Obviously that changed. When? We don't know. There is, there is one Avram mentioned in Shast. Avram Choza in Gittin Daf Nunamadalaf. One Avram, not Avraham. There is no Avraham anywhere in Shast. We know there's a couple Rabbi Yitzchaks, Amorayim. We know there's Rabbi Yaakov. We mentioned Rabbi Yaakov, Atana. There's Rabbi Yaakov and Amora. There is. But there is no Avraham in all of Shast, Midrashim, Yerushalmi. No, I haven't been through all of it. Okay, I'm getting this from someone else. How about Moshe? How about Moshe? There's one Moshe in Shast. He's mentioned in two different places, but the main place is in Baba Basra, Kufai, and Dalit. He's in Amaaretz. The only Moshe Bar Atzri in all of Shas. Moshe is known as an Amaaretz. Is that crazy? There's no one else. The, when they say, Mi Moshe, Ad Moshe, Ein Adam Kemosha, they say about from Moshe until the Rambam. Because there literally was no one named Moshe. The name was so kadosh, you couldn't think about naming it for somebody else. It's like what they say about Hillel, Shammai, Shmai, Avtalion. Why did they say Rebbe Hillel, Rebbe Shammai, Rebbe Shmai, Rebbe Avtalion? You know why? Because they couldn't say the name without thinking of Rebbe. They wouldn't even bother. They couldn't name their kids after Hillel or Shammai because the names were so holy. For them, you can say Hillel and it meant like he is the rabbi of the town. That's all it meant. Moshe was Moshe. You couldn't say it. That was the idea behind it. I'll end with this one thing. Rabbi Yisrael Buchatzer is the Baba Sali. Rabbi Yisrael Buchatzer. He was named for his grandfather, whose name was Rabbi Yaakov Abuchatzer. His father, Rabbeinu Masud, the son of Rabbeinu Yaakov, could not dare call his son by the same name of his father, even though his father had been dead for quite a while. He couldn't do it. So he didn't name him Yaakov. He named him Yisrael. That shows a reverence. That's a kiddusha. Is that strange? It's like, does. It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. That was the reverence that they had for those names. And you notice from right here, the only name is Yosef. We never mention the other names anywhere in Tanakh. Anywhere. Avram, Yosef, Yaakov do not appear anywhere in Tanakh. Or Moshe, or Aaron, by the way. There's one Reb Aaron in Shas. Rebbe Aaron. It's funny with the Shvatim, by the way. There is no Usher in all of Shas. There's no Naftali. There's a Zvulin Ben Dun who appears in Kedushan. Not a Rebbe. Just an example of a grandfather who taught his grandson Torah. Zvulin Ben Dun. There's random ones. Levi's all over the place. Yehuda's all over the place. Reuven, Reb Reuven Ben Itzterubli, Reb Shimon Bar Yochai. Another. It's so strange. It's mamish strange. If that's a coincidence, I'll leave my hat. There's no way that's just a coincidence. There's something to this, and we just don't know the answer just yet. All right, Shkayak, everybody. Have a great job.